episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, I'll be discussing Season 7, Episode 16, which is titled Witch Hunt. The episode aired on March 1st, 2001. Lauren, was going on that week 21 years ago? A 6.8 magnitude earthquake strikes northwestern Washington, epicentered in the Nesquik Valley between Olympia and Seattle. <laughs> the earthquake caused an estimated $2 billion, $2 billion worth of damages to the area, as well as injuring approximately 400 people. I'm kidding. It was the Nisqually Valley. But the real question here is, did anyone check to see this, the state of Seattle Grace Hospital? I'm sure it's fine. The heist film, 3,000 Miles to Graceland, starring Kurt Russell and Kevin Cosner debuts, but is no match for a weird cannibal as Hannibal, nicely done, <laughs> retains the box office crown for its third and final week. And Stutter by Joe, featuring Mystical, is your new number one song. See, whenever I see a print that's spelled that way, is it Misty Cal or is it Misty Cal? Or is it just I am <laughs> sure I will hear from people. I... Oh, Lauren having... and Lauren and mispronouncing uh, musical, musical act art. names, no, and, like, and, and then either... getting upset about being corrected about. I can see it either way. It's just like well, if you go out, if you go. I think it is. I think it's specific way like that. Right. It makes me think. I think it. it is mystical, but I'm like Lauren said. I'm sure I will be corrected if it's. I'll not. be corrected five weeks from now when we are well past it being number one, and it doesn't matter anymore. Yes. Look in two thousand one. The Armageddon soundtrack was still in heavy heavy rotation on Ugh. my on my discman. Daniel, what else was on? Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> not much. Uh, it's a night of reruns, uh, wall to wall reruns, with the exception of ER. ER was the only man standing with a new episode tonight. Uh, Friends uh, with back to back episodes in the eight o'clock hour at nine o'clock. Will and Grace with a rerun, and at nine thirty, just shoot me with yet another rerun. Uh, bet David Spade did something wacky. Uh, this week's episode had 25.5 million viewers tuning in, uh, directed by, uh, can we call him friend of the show? I feel like we can yes. call him friend of the yeah. show. Yeah, sure. Uh, he's, been on, he's been on the show. We he, can call him friend yeah. of the show. He follows us on Twitter, so like I feel like that counts. Um, he has the sassiest tweets. Oh my God. Just... I follow my, him on Twitter, and oh my god, my man's a big reply guy. Like he is, uh, <laughs> pun intended. Like big reply guy on Twitter. Uh, not a fan of the former president. Uh, directed by Guy Norman B, doing his one and only episode as a director. But of course, uh, if you will recall from our interview with him, he was uh, the main Steadicam operator for the first uh, two or three seasons. Uh, so. Uh, if you enjoyed an episode from the early seasons, chances are it was Guy behind the camera. Uh, but this is his one and only time as a director. This is actually his directorial debut. Um, he has gone on to be something of a veteran uh, TV director. Um, he has directed for shows like Third Watch, Criminal Minds, and Supernatural, among many, many others. Uh, and is a pretty busy guy, both on Twitter and in real life. Uh, and and a cool guy too. I really enjoyed talking to guy. He was like one of my favorite like nerd people that we've been able to chat with from the show. Like just clearly yeah. was like very passionate about the the technology and the techniques involved in it, and like just clearly uh, had the time of his life working on the show. Uh, and written by R. Scott Gemmel, doing his seventh out of thirty-two. Previous ones of his from this season included Surrender, Peace of Mind, and Mars Attacks. All right, and our previously announced brought to us by Romano, who I feel like we don't get his voice on, on the not too often pre-show too much. Uh, we open the episode there. Carrie uh, is grabbing the paper at Kim's house, and two police officers are there to speak with Kim. Hmm. Hmm. 
Not good. Uh, I love it. Are you are you Dr. Legaspi? Who are you? Why are you here? They're they're lesbians, Harold. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're le- officer. They're lesbians. Uh, Abby's our next scene is Abby waking up to Luca blowing the fresh smell of coffee at her. I feel like this is something I could do to you. I'd probably wake up. Go ahead. If try, I just try if, it, try it this weekend. Yeah. I dare okay, you. Give yeah. that a shot. AKA make me coffee in the morning. Okay. Okay. Uh, but Luca mentions that he's looking at getting a new place. Cause apparently the, uh, he's just getting tired of the hotel. Right. Reminder. He's still living in a hotel. Yep. So, and we do get a call back to him living on a boat as well, yeah, uh, yeah. which I, I appreciate the continuity there. And this is yet another scene. Uh, one of my It's my favorite type of scene. It's the type of scene that proves Jake wrong uh, because uh, they have tremendous chemistry, and I don't mm-hmm. know what he's talking about. Like, I, I still don't see what he's not seeing. He just, he just needs to watch all of the episodes, ignoring the one where Luca kills a guy. Just wipe that from his memory and then have him watch this. It really needs to it, space it out a little bit because I feel like if you go right from Luca killing a guy to, to like the same day, this, you're not going to appreciate this Sure. versus murder. There, There is something to be said for, you know, piecing out your uh, your media a little bit. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe don't binge everything. But Abby's clearly not a morning person, which can't blame her. Yeah. Uh... Then we go over to Carter, who is waking up to a dog in the bed. Mm. Carter doesn't own a dog. That's weird. Um, and then I said, what poor life choices has he made? Oh, God, he slept with the intern. Uh, and then gross. She says, oh, that's my roommate. I think we kept her up last night. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, thank you. Icky. Gross. I'd be pissed, too. And then she goes, I think you yelled stat. Which that is would, like that seems like a Carter thing, you know, as he reaches the nope, the nope, 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 nope. That's also like a line that I feel like is a placeholder line. Like I yeah. feel like that was a line that they wrote to be like, we want to make a joke about Carter saying something medical during sex, mm-hmm. and like we'll we'll circle back to this, and then they ran out of time because yeah. like it's just. Eh. And uh, I would have liked another pass. And he asks for coffee, but they don't drink coffee at that apartment. That will come into play later. And uh, she makes him some eggs, but it looks like he's just eating French toast off that plate. I don't know. I just there's I, toast on that plate. French. I said French toast. No, but I'm saying there's regular toast though. Then maybe that's what I saw, and I just didn't. No, see I did eggs. the same thing. I actually looked at the plate too, and I was like, I think that's French toast. But uh, I'm, you, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who saw it. No uh, French toast. Uh, then we go over to Kim talking to the police, and as she's watching Carrie putz around the kitchen, getting ready to leave. And there was a woman who had been clinically depressed and confused about her sexuality, planning on hurting herself, that accused Kim of sexual harassment. The woman who was in the car. We find that out later that that's who it is. Yes. The woman from the train accident. Who, who is unimportant entirely to the story. Like, you know, we will never actually talk to this person again. Like, we will never, you know, it's just going back to last episode. Like, why, why did we choose not to follow up on that thread? We're not gonna get a we're not gonna get a huge fancy trial scene where Legaspi says, I accuse you of lying to her. And <laughs> we're in that's what lawyers do, right? Well that's Jake. And yeah. we're in with Twinkles. Um Corday and Mark are chatting on the way into work and Lauren for some reason specifically noted it was an Aubon Pong. Okay. I think is how you say that. I just yeah, Aubon Pong. I just like it when it's like <laughs> <laughs> when it's <laughs> that was almost 
call, throwing it way back to season two. That was almost the Fuselage sound. Like that was oh, also <laughs> the, blah, blah, blah. Like the, <laughs> the fancy man sound. But either way, um, I just I just like noticing when they're actually using different chains. And that's not one that you really see much. You usually see like Duncan or that's whatever. That's true. I think so. I only know of like one. The only one I knew of is now closed because I only knew of the one in Union and that's gone. Oh, so I knew, oh yeah, that, that one was there. And I th- think there's one in the Northwestern oh. Memorial Food Court. I don't think so. At least there was. I don't know. I don't, Seems like a place there. Another would be. existing Chicago chain. Neat. Is is that a Chicago chain? I don't know, but let's move I, on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Regional <laughs> coffee chains. Let's get into it. Get into the weeds, weeds about boo boo boo. No, no, it's it's au bon pas. <laughs> That's exactly what Lizzie just said. <laughs> boo boo boo. Um, but he's worried. Uh, Mark's worried about his competency results. And but Corday, good news, hasn't had any contractions in two weeks. She just needs to take it easy. Um, and Green is very much against. No, maybe is trying to discourage her. Like no, just go home, stay home, rest, do yada yada yada. And he says, meet me for lunch if you're not in labor. All right, and then we go over to the ad. I'm still stuck on this. <laughs> One more time, Lord, please. I can't stop. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do it that way, and then I'm gonna do it the really Midwest way to read it. Oh so, yes, au bon pain, or <laughs> au bon pain. Oh, God oh, yeah, bless. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why this chain didn't catch on in the South. Um, <laughs> so we go into the admit desk where uh, Rena has uh, apparently sent over a special coffee basket for Carter, and uh, Amira is reading off the card uh, saying. Carter's trying to play it off as if he just did a favor, like a professional favor for uh, Rena, and so no, that's he did why a favor he's. For her. Well, you know, it's only polite, uh, and uh, <laughs> and so he's trying to play it off as if this was purely professional, nothing, uh, nothing more to it. But then Amira reads out loud the card: "Thanks for the great evening. You can bring your own coffee next time." And we get a lovely little like Mean Girls uh, moment here of Chen and Abby and Amira teasing Carter as he uh, takes his coffee basket off to the lounge i really i would love to see more of moments like this i need to know how the fuck she had time to put together a whole fucking coffee bag right he just left her apartment like two hours ago and you know let's not to spoil later not to spoil later in the episode but she is a poor college student yeah but there must be some maybe she just ordered it via messenger or something like that but because she was just that good what oh What college student is paying for coffee via messenger for her one-night stand? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, let's go into our first audio clip here. Kim's talking to a patient when Carrie pulls her aside. We're going to move you to your own room. Okay, Mary? What if Jesus comes for me and I'm not here? I'll have one of the nurses send him upstairs. Will you? Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, got a minute? So Bloody Mary's back, eh? Mm, she's having us. Tried to cage you? Yeah, well, it's been pretty crazy upstairs, not just because of the patients. So what was this thing with the police? Oh, you should have stuck around. Yeah, it was I quite a party. So did I. I didn't abandon you on purpose. I didn't say you did. Okay, what did they say? They were following up on Shannon Wallace, the attempted suicide who caused that train derailment. They probably want to talk to you. Why? The patient has accused me of sexual harassment. What? Yeah, she told the police that I came on to her and I touched her. 
Why would she say such a thing? Well, she caused over 30 deaths. She's probably trying to divert the heat off of herself. Yeah, but why, why would she accuse you of that? How would she even know that you were gay? Yeah, I, I told her. You what? I was trying to help her. Oh, no, Kim. Kim, what were you thinking? I don't know, Carrie, that she needed help. Yeah, so you disclose your personal life to an unstable patient who you don't even know? I, I, I Mr. Hollis is crashing. Okay. I'll see you later. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I need everybody to take a shot every time Carrie or Kim says, hey, do you have a minute? <laughs> That's basically, hey, do you have a minute, the episode, if we're just going to go with that. That that's the alternate title for the episode. Yep, that's actually a great episode title. Why did they never use that? <laughs> hey, do you have a minute? Could have been a great one. I don't know. I think witch hunt. Witch hunt witch I mean, no, hunt witch hunt. Witch hunt works great for this episode. So yeah, it's a pretty good one. But I do like uh, uh, Kim immediately calling Carrie on her bullshit here and being like, "You're not really that interested in the like events of this and not and whether or not I'm okay. It's really about is you're covering your own ass here." That's that's a later audio clip here. Well, yeah, I know that part, but, like, just just but not the, interesting. The summation of this clip is that there's trouble in lesbian land. So. Another alternate great episode title. <laughs> trouble in lesbian land. land. <laughs> Were this a comedy show? I could see that. Oh, yeah. Just Shoot Me. Title. Just Shoot Me definitely has an episode called Trouble in Lesbian Land. Guaranteed. My uh, brain feels very much like Bloody Mary right now. Just. But where would you I was very I was very confused for like a, a hot second when I watched this episode the other morning because like they go from talking about the lady from last episode to right into this out of the intro and like mm-hmm. I was like are we I is this so the too. same person and I'm like I didn't I didn't pick up on I guess we really didn't do any follow up last episode because I did not pick up on the fact that she was a Jesus Crispy so like yeah. it just the the whole thing just like went way over my head until they you know name checked her. Yep. And I love how angry Carrie gets at Kim. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why, why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? What, you, what, what, what are you doing? Like, just, she just, like, Carrie, calm. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Um, oh, golly. Then we go over to Dr. Carrie Weaver greets. Uh, Mr. Carrie Weaver. Mr. Dr. Carrie Weaver. I use his Christian name. Sorry. Greets Lizzie in the OR because she pops in and Lizzie starts giving Benton crap for keeping the place running while she was gone and. Uh, just, just very snippy with Benton and is like, I, I expect to have my job back now. And, um, <laughs> she walks out and Babcock says, I think Green developed the brain tumor after she got pregnant, which what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Yikes. We no, we no longer like Dr. Babcock. I mean, granted, he only does a little assisted suicide later in the series. Good but, God. Uh, Daniel, know. what happens next? <laughs> yeah, but it was a, that's a... A tier shit line right there, like that's, uh, which you know somebody rightfully calls that out in listener responses. So I'll let them uh, say it far more eloquently than I could. Uh, but uh, we go from there to uh, Mark, uh, who's seeing a little old lady who's settled herself down in curtains. Uh, nobody has checked in on her yet, and uh, he goes over and he's like, "Can I help you?" Like whatever, and she says, "Oh, there's nothing they can do for me. I'm dying." And he's like, oh, you've been seen, diagnosed, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, she saw it in her tarot cards. Great. Uh, She then proceeds to read read Mark's palms and uh, says there's a crack in his lifeline and that he has a black cloud uh, hanging over him. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 
Uh, and our patient here, who we'll later find out is named Georgia, she is played by actress Frances Bay, who appears in stuff like Blue Velvet, uh, the ill-advised live-action Inspector Gadget movie, uh, and Happy Gilmore. Uh, I love her in Happy Gilmore. Yeah. She plays Grandma in Happy Gilmore. Uh, is making, uh, uh, I'm sorry, has a had a hundred and seventy eight credits to her name, uh, and that definitely far and away makes her the high water person for this episode. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, as you might imagine from her age in this episode, she does pass away in uh, 2011. Uh, we go from there to uh, Carrie checking in with Luca on uh, Super Larry. <laughs> which is a great name, uh, one of their frequent flyer homeless patients, uh, for potential pneumonia. Is this where she kind of, like, awkwardly pulls him out of the room and is like... No, that's a little bit later. a little later? All right. Yeah. Uh, the detective from earlier, uh, who the oblivious detective who didn't understand the concept of lesbians, uh, comes in to talk to Carrie, uh, and uh, he accuses her of leaving Shannon, uh, the woman from last episode, alone with Kim, which precipitated this whole incident, and alludes to their air quotes relationship uh, where Luca can hear uh, and she immediately blows him off and tries to, you know, get him out of the room. And uh, she heads off to the Doug Ross, Carol Hathaway Memorial Existential Crisis Medicine Cabinet to uh, have a moment about it. And uh, go go to the surgical floor. Romano's coming out of an interview trying to recruit another surgeon. And Corday accuses him of replacing her. And his first, is like, his first line to, to her is, Lizzie, my how you've grown. I, I, it's one of those things, like, it's it's another Frank thing where it's like everything he says is monstrous, but I also love to hate him because mm-hmm. like, like he said, he has several like back to back zingers in this walk and talk here where like he does the Lizzie, my, how you've grown. And then the one that real, the one that the, the one I love is the policy about sexual harassment and discrimination. And he goes, Oh, we still got one of those <laughs> and just keeps walking. And it's just yeah. like, Everything about this is terrible, but I'm still like smiling. And she's going, she's going on about. Well, maybe not going. On, she's telling him, you know, about like all the different things related to her pregnancy. And he's like, "This is why surgery is an old boys' club." Uh, cor- slight correction. Okay, that is part of it. But the other part is, he says, um, "Why would I let you back onto surgery rotation when you're just going to be back out in like two weeks?" Like getting, getting, cause you're knocked up. And so just because like men can't get pregnant, so men won't miss that time. So part of it is, yes, she's oversharing. Part of it is he's like, mm, your pregnancy makes you a liability, essentially. Go fuck yourself, Romano. Mm. And she alludes to killing him about <laughs> <laughs> As she should. Yeah, but he agrees to let her do scut admin work, but not in surgery yet, as we said. Oh, God. And then we have a gentleman named Mr. Perkins yelling for Halle to give his teeth back, which Abby walks over to uh, help and picks them up off the floor. And she's like, oh, you might want to wash those fur. Nope. The guy puts them right in. Puts his dentures right in off the filthy hospital floor. And then again, hey, you got a minute. Luca calls Abby over to help him with a little girl that was just brought in. And while that's going on, Carrie calls Luca out of the room real quick to ask him about Super Larry's status as a cover to then tell Luca about the charges to cover her own ass regarding Kim. And Amira yells for Carrie to go talk to Romano or he's going to fire them both. 
And then we go back to the little girl. She's got a mild temp of 100.2, not technically a fever, and she's having trouble catching her breath. Oh, goody. And uh, the little girl's mom, who we meet here, uh, she is played by actress Timely. Tim Timmy Lee, I am Tim Timmy Lee, uh, who appeared in stuff like Progeny, Inspector Mom, and Surviving Gilligan's Island, where she is helpfully credited as a noisy Italian hooker. All right. Okay. So, yep. Can't wait to see that. Uh, what I assume is a Gilligan's Island like TV movie. I have no idea. I didn't like deeply research it, but uh, that credit name did stick out to me. Nice. And then uh, we pop over to Carrie waiting to chat with Romano and she's sassing the secretary like do you know I'm here does he know I'm here what am I waiting for I've got places to be he clearly doesn't care that I'm working today and Kim comes out visibly upset cool cool uh we then uh switch over see Mark and Malik working on setting a guy's hand in trauma two uh Jen who has like chronic wrist issues like she has like a degenerative condition in her wrists um this thing that they have him in like this like it's this thing where you put your fingers in and it's it basically provides traction while they're trying to set the hand she would like have one of those installed in our bedroom if she could like she that like that's the thing that she wants more than anything in the world is to just be able to put her like hands up and like have zero gravity hands zero gravity hands and have her wrist like pull like she will constantly sometimes just like throw her hand in my face and it's just like pull my arm and just get extra traction on her wrist just to relieve some of that tension and pressure mm. so uh, we see Malucci working with a wrestler. Hey, shout out Yay. to yet another wrestling mini storyline here. Who knew that ER was so chock full of wrestling uh, content? Uh, Malucci is uh, working with this first one here, a uh, guy who calls himself the Weasel, uh, which shout out to the guy who wrote this episode because that is a deep cut wrestling reference there, <laughs> uh, having a guy called the Weasel. That was um, Bobby the Brain Heenan's uh, like mm. gimmick that he would do sometimes. Um, so, uh, he's suffering from a self-inflicted laceration, which is again, authentic to the wrestling world where, you know, that's, uh, not to like, See that all the time. not to ruin the magic for anybody. I, they don't do it as much anymore. Like it's it, like, it's not that it never happens, but it is definitely a lot less prevalent than it was around this time. But sometimes when they do it, holy shit, they, yeah. Do so, uh, not to ruin the magic of professional wrestling for anyone, but, uh, the way they make themselves bleed is they will take a piece of a razor blade like they will cut off like a little corner of a razor blade and they will tape it either around their hand wrist finger you know like they'll they'll just kind of tape it somewhere on them where it can be easily accessed during a match and but also won't poke you also won't poke you. you accidentally right and so like when the moment comes you know the other guy will do something you know, to like distract the audience's attention. Like he'll like go start fucking with the referee or he'll start, you know, jacking and mouthing off to the crowd, kick you in the face and then run around gloating. Exactly. Like they'll do something to distract attention while you on the other side of the ring are getting your razor blade out. And then they rub it right across the top of their forehead, kind of right where the hairline would be. Uh, so that a, it's easily hidden and B that, uh, there's lots of blood vessels in your, Mm. uh, forehead and so it's easy to kind of get a lot of blood flowing very quickly uh and it'll also mix in with the sweat 
and makes it look yep. makes it look mm-hmm. extra gross. Uh, and, oh no, it's not arterial. There's no arteries in yeah. the forehead. It, well, there so actually gonna... <laughs> there's there's an Eddie Guerrero match I should show you. Uh, but uh, oh, yeah, it's Ugh. it's not good. I uh, thought that was the whole point of, the, of them doing it up there was I, that there wasn't any. There's no there's no uh, vital arteries up there. Like there you, okay. there's it it would be very very difficult to put yourself in any mortal danger by doing that. Fair. Um. Uh, but again, Eddie Guerrero match I should show you. <laughs> I, was, I, I was more thinking like there's no nothing like the jugular yes, or something like right. that up here. Daniel, but. you said that and my stomach turned. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's Just, bad. Mm. It's real bad. So yeah. Send me the link. That that's um that's the secrets of blading here. And so again, very authentic reference. Shout out again to uh, the guy who wrote this episode. R. Scott Gamble clearly did his homework. Like clearly did not just like talk out of his ass writing this uh, particular scene here. Uh, but uh, Mr. Midnight and the weasel here are part of a basement wrestling group. Uh, and uh, the friend that uh, Mr. Midnight James, his actual name is in the other room being treated. Uh, and uh, this is Malucci and green working on him here. And uh <laughs> I believe this is Malucci who says chicks don't dig the Frankenstein look, right, Dr. Green? Uh, Green is very over Malucci's bullshit in this episode. Like, Mm -hmm. Green is very much not into Malucci. here's the thing. Green doesn't actually hear what he says. Right. Just, right. Green is very Lauren in this episode where he's, like, he's not really present he's he is uh present but not accounted for uh mr midnight here is played by actor alex solowitz and he appears in stuff like ghost world alpha dog and the game that made white supremacists realize that they were the baddies all along wolfenstein 2 ha if only they would keep realizing it uh let's go to our next audio clip here uh it's romano and carrie up in his office You might have at least given me a heads up. Yeah, this is the first I've heard of these allegations. But you must have had some indication that she was a lesbian. What has that got to do with anything? Well, it seems to me that's the crux of the problem, don't you think? No. The problem seems to be a false accusation from a patient with psychological problems. She could have just as easily made a similar indictment against one of the male doctors. Yeah, but she didn't, did she? Have you had any other complaints against Legaspi in the ER? Of course not. And she's never displayed any unacceptable sexual behavior that you've witnessed. Well? What do you think? I'm getting a sneaking suspicion that you're holding out on me. Please, Robert. I think you're trying to protect her. Of course I'm trying to protect her. You should be, too. She is a damn good doctor. I'm calling for an emergency disciplinary hearing today with you and Anspa. Why? You know these charges are a joke. No one's laughing, Carrie. This is a witch hunt. No, this is damage control. Okay. Are we finished? For now. Can I give you some friendly advice? Now. <laughs> now. I love that. Now. <laughs> Shut up, you short um, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Short, foul man. Hey, she said the name of the episode, so she wins. She wins. But just... Yeah, it really the, the whole crux of the thing is that does that does that Legaspi is a lesbian, which this feels very authentic to, to two thousand one. I was gonna say attitudes. Yeah. That's it, it's as, for as cav, for as not maybe not cavalier, but as for as casual and open as Legaspi can be, still maybe not the best idea in the workplace. So I think Carrie may be over reacts mm-hmm. sometimes along with this stuff like i don't think it would be like the absolute career sinker that she thinks it would be 
but because she's already there, she's already in the up the upper echelons. Right. But I think Carrie's got a little bit of a point. But there's there's yeah. there's a good point surrounded by a lot of bad actions. Right. She's she's overreacting uh, in one sense, but in, on the other hand, does have reason to be concerned. Yes. And here we go. Hey, look, the thing that's going to break them up. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Speaking of breakups, we uh, go oh, over geez. to <laughs> Carter and Raina out to lunch. And uh, Carter says something like, oh, you know, talking about the seminar that she had to go to. And she go- and he goes, oh, it's like being back in college. And she goes, well, well, I am in college. And he goes, oh, well, I mean, it's an undergraduate. She's like, I, I am an undergraduate. And we learn that she will be 20 in September, to which Carter is rightly horrified. They finish. They presumably finish lunch, and we come check on them later. I would like. I would like to be allowed to like it to be known that this is an appropriate level of horrification. Just because you were nineteen when we started dating, and I was twenty-three, that's not that bad. No, again, I, I think the again the uh, the issue stems from Carter's age, assumed age here, because I guess we don't really know exactly how old Carter is, but Carter's probably at least 30 here. Oh, yeah. No, he's deep into his residency, so he's got to be at least in his early 30s. Right. So, I mean, we're not we're not talking about a 23, 19 uh, age difference here. Like I know, but I just thought Lauren might make a crack. A crack no, I already it. did the one and I'm done. Plus, that was only for two months. We've, we're really closer to three and a half years apart. But I joke and say four, but I know you prefer to be correct and say three and a half but anyway it was a month and a half anyway (laughs) uh we go over to abby checking on the little girl who's been having trouble breathing her name is may and they're gonna get a chest x-ray in a bit and she's like oh why don't you step out and get a cup of coffee to the mom while they wait for um transport to come down and get her and carter pops into chat and pulls abby out of the room for a second and tells her how young rena is and (laughs) Abby goes, she's not a woman, she's a girl. To which Carter disgustingly replies, oh no, she's a woman. To which Abby... No, he, he even says it, oh no, she's a woman. I <laughs> was trying not to repeat it, but then... Uh, oh Ab- no, no, you gotta get the full effect. Nope, I it. don't. And then Abby makes fun of him, rightly so. And uh, the mom comes back and May is gone. Little girl is not in her room all of a sudden. Oh no. Ooh. Um... That's not going to be great. Abby runs over and tells Mark what happened, and they start to lock down the ER, and she chases a woman outside, stops the cab, but it is a black baby. There is no sign of May anywhere. Uh, oh, boy. It begins. But only for this episode. Yeah. This is re- resolved by the end. It, do- it does just... make for an, like a perfect example of how you can do a tonal shift without it feeling disjointed and fucked up like to go from Mm -hmm. like in mere seconds to go from like the perfect comedic stuff of abby torturing carter over you know having sex with somebody 12 years younger than him uh (laughs) to then immediately switch over to the fear and like anxiety and doomsday feeling of like the this baby going missing they do it relatively seamlessly. Like there's no, uh, there's no commercial break in there. There's very little camera cutting, like, and not to like get too into the weeds about it, but like, I have to believe that having a guy who knows how those steady cam shots are operated and knows how to like 
design those things better than some of the other directors has to play into that in some way of like learning how to mm-hmm. seamlessly connect those two, not just two scenes, but two emotions together as well and not make it feel forced or disjointed. Like it just works really well. So the cops are asking Abby what she may have seen and she just wants to be helping looking. He's like, no, no, we got cops all over the place. We're that staff. We're good. And of course, little happy Gilmore's grandma comes in and just says, sometimes God calls little babies home to be his angels. Not okay. Not, right? Yeah, not Read okay. the room, Granny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that takes us into our next audio clip here. Kim is in the room with the mother and Carrie pulls her aside yet again. Is there someone that you would like me to call to be with you? Your husband, maybe? I'm divorced. What is his name? Ed. Ed Jeffries, but he lives in Boston now. Okay, the police would like to ask you some questions. Do you feel up to that? Okay, I will be back when they're done and we'll talk. Hey, how's she doing? Better than I would be. Um, how was your meeting with Romano? Homophobic, misogynistic, the usual. Degrading. What'd you tell him? The truth. Shannon Wallace was a young woman experiencing a severe sexual identity crisis that she needed to know that being gay is not an affliction. Yeah, and what did you tell him about us? Oh. Oh, I see. Don't worry, Carrie. Your secret's safe with no, me. that's not what I meant. No, no, what did you mean? No, you think that I am the only one who has problems with this, but that, 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 that is just universally accepted, but that is not true. So what? So we're supposed to skulk about in the shadows because some narrow-minded individuals no. disapprove? No, I just think that you are fooling yourself. If you... How many openly gay women do you know in hospital administrative positions? Carrie. None. It doesn't happen. What does that have to do with I'm anything? I'm trying to explain to you why this is difficult for me. Guess what, Carrie? This isn't about you. This is about a confused and frightened young woman who would rather kill herself than deal with the stigma of being gay. Maybe it is about you. Oof. Um, just this, this whole episode... It's another one of those moments for me where it it makes me grateful even in how kind of backward shit is going right now. It really helps to set how far we have come. Yeah. And it really helped like, yeah, shit's fucked up right now, but I can still be me at work. Yeah, you can be openly part of the queer community. Yeah, I, I never have had to worry about that at all. Like, and it just, just stuff like that. And just like the fact that it's such a terrifying thing to carry. And I'm just like, I've never thought twice about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I know there's still a lot of places in the U.S. where that's not necessarily true. And even in Chicago where that's not necessarily true. And I've been very fortunate with my employers. But on the whole scheme of things, like it, it just, it does help me realize that, yeah, Shit's kind of fucked right now, but we have come quite a ways. Right. Yeah. But also that maybe it is about you line. Right. That's yeah. a great stinger to end like, on. Like, like I said, good, good, maybe not good intention, but like, but 
good idea wrapped in a shit sandwich. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> safe. Something about that analogy safe. is great to me. I don't know why. The, the metaphor. <laughs> great analogy wrapped know. in a shit um, sandwich. Well, <laughs> sound intent wrapped in selfish execution. A shit sandwich. That's the, that I was know, the professional just... wording. That was the that yeah. that was the that was the thought work email filter in real life right there. That was that was the <laughs> here's what I want to say. Here's what actually went into the work email right there in two voices. <laughs> Next time you're writing a work email, think of Lizzie as the 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 devil on one shoulder <laughs> saying like <laughs> right sho- take this job and shove it I quit and then Lauren on the other side writing like Let's circle back. Like we have those be, two people. I'm just gonna be singing. Your, I'm just gonna be singing your fuck this shit out now. <laughs> also, team, if you had to see just how much uh, Daniel trolls me when I'm having a day at the office, like <laughs> oh, it's he, rela- it was all morning. Today. He was just on my shit, and I I almost said, "Great, record without me tonight." I was like, "You gotta, <laughs> you gotta cut this by like 5 p.m. or I'm not coming uh... tonight." So like. Just yes, I am a walking embodiment of a work email for at least eight hours of the day, and it's so hard to turn off. Uh, but we love you. we love you, you for a new it. job. My whole day today was composing one email, so no, I'm not right now. I'm just kidding. I love my new job, but oh my god, yeah, today was today. That's a lounge. That's a lounge discussion. Yeah. But going back to this, holy shit, there's no good answer for either of them. These poor little gays. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, they're just in, in two different places in their, like, both professional and, you know, personal experiences. Like, they, you know, Kim is clearly at a much more secure place, and at least in her own mind, yeah. and, like, she's more comfortable in her own skin and everything. Like, Carrie just discovered she was gay, like, a month ago. Like, give her a minute. Like, you know, she's, you know, like, she yeah. was hooking up with Clancy Brown three seasons ago. Like, just give, give her time. Like, she's still working this shit out. How to how to go from Mr. Krabs to a hot lesbian psychiatrist in under three moves? The Carrie Weaver story. Jesus uh, Christ! What happens next? Abby is uh, looking for clues uh, for the baby, uh, and Carter asks what she's doing. So she's she's searching through the laundry basket at this point, which it's like she at least acknowledges in the in the moment that she's being ridiculous and that this is all based off of something that she just like heard about one time and she's kind of grasping at straws here but it is sort of a funny visual to think about of like she's just going to be digging through this laundry basket and find a you know health yes, healthy baby ab- absolutely um so yeah i heard i heard one time right that maybe she acknowledges that it's a silly thought but it's still just kind of funny um, she asks for help with a squirt at, or no, I'm sorry. Carter asks, uh, Abby for her help with a squirmy child. Uh, and, uh, she then passes it off onto Hale so that she can, uh, go off and ask for a progress report on finding the little girl, uh, goes to talk to the mom who I'm shocked is like, not madder at Abby. Like maybe it's just cause she's like in shock herself and doesn't really know what to feel. That's but what I thought. I would have expected, you know, just kind of like conventional wisdom would lead me to expect that this mother would be lashing out at Abby a lot more than she does. Like, she's really not that upset with Abby. Yeah. Like I trusted you with my baby. I, yeah. Yada, yada. But I think she's just, like you said, she's just in shock that, Oh shit. My infant is gone. Right. Uh, she sees mom giving some photos of the child to the cops and then apologizes to her for what has happened. Um, Mark is over at Admit. Uh, we find out that one of the wrestlers uh, they suspect looks like he's on steroids based on his test results. Uh, and 
Mr. Midnight, uh, the second of the two guys, the one, not the one with his hand in a cast, but the one who was blading, uh, James. Uh, Mark goes to ask him about being on steroids, and uh, the kid panics and is pissed that Mark called his parents and uh, goes to leave and knocks Mark over in the process in the suture room. Uh, and Mark is like, I'm fine, I'm fine, but just tells Malucci to go after him. Uh, Malucci corners him uh, out in the ambulance bay to get him to go back inside, and the guy's like, "My, you don't know my dad. He'll kill me if he finds out. Uh, and it's just a, a really good really good Malucci moment here, which we will uh, dig into a little bit deeper in a moment, but it is one of the threads of the Malucci character that is woefully underexplored. Like yet again like another example of like this character had tremendous potential and they just for whatever reason wasted it dumped him yeah so we'll get into that in just a bit oh god and then carrie learns from chen and Hale that kim is being fired as they're working on somebody in trauma one and this is the only spot i could find to put this in this episode but whose films are those <laughs> and um Carrie says, oh, let's cut the gossip, you guys. Let's try not to do that. And Hale goes, oh, that's not gossip. The gossip is she's a lesbian. And Chen's like, ooh. <sighs> like, Chen, Chen's not at all malicious about it. She's just like, neat. But again, though, it's another example yeah. of how attitudes and behaviors have changed in 20 years that, like, I don't... Not to say that conversations like this aren't still happening in offices and stuff. Like, I'm sure there are places and, and groups of people for whom this is still, like, gossip-worthy material. But, like, it was so much more of a, like, topic of gossip 20 years yeah. ago. If, if somebody said it now at my office, they'd be like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's nice. So worth, like, three other people we work right. with. Like, yeah. so I have so many people. Granted, I work in, like, theater. So, like, that's a little. <laughs> yeah. it's a, it comes with the territory a little bit more. But, like, I have so many openly gay coworkers that, like, I feel like it would be a bigger scandal if somebody came out as straight. Like, it's just, like. Yeah, you're the odd one. Right, exactly. Like, I'm very much in the minority in the, the like, not only am I straight, but I'm married. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, stable relationships in the theater world, let me tell you, gang. Daniel, we'd like to tell you publicly that we support your straightness. STT Straight Pride t-shirt coming soon. It's just <laughs> good. It's just plain and white. <laughs> just like you. Just like me. Hey! Now, if it was just like him, there'd be a little bit, there'd be a little bit of a brown beard. I'll be sure to I'll be sure to shade that in. <laughs> Just color in a little weird. <laughs> but uh, Cleo's checking Mark out for damage after he was knocked down. Carrie thinks Mark should get a head CT, but and Malucci thinks James is an abuse case. Why don't we talk about this more with Malucci? Like you right, said, right? Yeah. So here that begs the this begs the question of um, do we think Malucci was abused? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I do too. I feel like that's the Without- unspoken sort of. Uh, implication here with with how close to home this hits him and like think back to that horrifying episode with that little girl who was abused and how well he handles her right like i have to think i really do too and like it it, so much of it matches up with other parts of malucci's behavior that he's describing to mark here of like why Mm -hmm. this kid is acting the way he's acting so much of it also echoes things that we've seen malucci do and we've seen like and i just think that's such an interesting like wrinkle to this character that they're just gonna do dick all with like they're just gonna do Mm -hmm. nothing with it and i'm like guys that's a really fucking interesting like interesting thread go with that you could do a multi-episode story arc about like him 
trying to like find like some coming to peace with exactly it like so lauren spoilers for you know probably years from now when you finally pick up your wire watch uh but like there's a character much later on than where you're at right now uh there's several characters actually but there's there's one character who like has uh, an abusive father figure who is like you know molesting mm-hmm. someone in his family and yada yada whatever mm-hmm. and he like arranges for this man to be killed and mm-hmm. the guy who ends up doing the killing is not somebody that you get a ton of background information on like he's mm-hmm. not really somebody that like you're gonna do a ton of digging into their psyche but like mm-hmm. they do sort of like make this unspoken point of of you learn by the way that the the crime is carried out. You sort of learn that he himself was a victim of abuse and like works out his, you know, feelings about it via this murder. And it's just like, not to say that I want Malucci to go on like a murderous rampage or anything, but just like, like you can, you don't have to like spell out a character's backstory. You can still do really interesting things with it. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write a Malucci spinoff. We're going to have guy B, direct and shoot it and i don't know who will get to do the rest of it but well i mean i I, yeah and cleo's gonna be a full character i said i said the same thing when doug left that i felt like the only thing that i really would have liked to have or or the only thing that i felt like i was missing from his time on the show was that i wanted to see old doug like i wanted to see old no more fucks to give doug where he's been around the block a, a few dozen times and like knows the drill and and knows how to get away with shit I want to see that grizzled version of that character. I also want to see that with Malucci. Like I, I want to see older, more mature Malucci who is like realized the uh, shortcomings of his immature ways when he was a young, brash, confident doctor. And like the way he has learned how to deal with his own shit and like work through his own trauma and has become a better person on the other side of it. I think, yeah, I think if there's actually, I think Malucci is an excellent character. If you were going to craft like a, as much as I hate to say it, an ER reboot or an ER continuation spin around off. spinoff. Like I feel like Malucci actually might be a solid choice for it, and, and, and which I know sounds ridiculous considering all this, you know, shitty stuff we said about him when he first started on the show. Malucci facts on a t-shirt. <laughs> but be late for next week's recording, and we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, it's just it, it's that that has been one of the most pleasant things about this entire experience for me at least thus far has been gaining a whole new appreciation and a whole new interest in this character that the first time around when I watched the show I had completely written off like there's a lot of gold in them their hills with Malucci just makes me think how great it's going to be when we get to the most the more divisive seasons too like what gold are we going to find exactly yeah there could be all sorts of excellent shit that we're not thinking of or we've dismissed in you know seasons 12 through 14 Probably not, but <laughs> uh, bless you, bless your yeah. heart. Probably not, but there's probably at least it... one or two nuggets in there. No, there's a lot of good moments yes. in those seasons. But anyway, we're, that's that's a later us problem. Uh, but Malucci is pissed that Mark told the parents to come in, and because Mark seems very cavalier about the whole thing, I think is what's really pissing Malucci off. Ooh. Is like, no, fuck you. I of course I'm going to call the parents. Like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? Um, and Malucci calls Mark out on his behavior, you know, his impulsive decisions and not looking out for the kid. And it's like, how much did, how much did that uh, did they actually take out of your head? 
Yeah, the uh, the tumor cough was maybe one step yeah. too far. <laughs> like that was maybe one like, <laughs> oh, Dave, like you were there, my friend. You were there. You had made your point. You had like scored what it was, you know, uh, great. But then he's but then he has to be malicious. And then he's got to take it one step too far. Uh, Which is normally my job. But, you know, here we are. Yep. We good? So then we go over to May's mom is on a press conference asking for her daughter to be returned safely. Um, Abby is watching from the side, smoking a cigarette, and Luca is trying to cheer her up or distract her. And Abby asks him to leave her alone, which he says, I just can't do that. And just stands with her and just snuggles close to her. And it's a very sweet it moment. Is. And these two have so much chemistry. Right? Jake is wrong. Jake is just, just out here in the wind, just wrong. Uh, but uh, it's kind of his default state of being though so oh, shots fired remember remember jake when you're writing up the uh, deposition that was uh lizzie not me uh we then <laughs> go over back to malucci who uh sees james and his dad talking slash arguing and uh, he comes in to try to intervene uh dad is giving james a hard time about you know the wrestling stuff and uh, Malucci, you know, pulls him out into the hallway and just tries to tell the dad to be compassionate, not to humiliate him, and uh, stands up for James and calls the whole thing abuse and, and you know, calls out the dad for what he's been doing. And uh, dad, you know, fucking attacks him. And it's not great. It's kind of a shit moment. And for, Malucci fights back. Yeah, Malucci fights back. And, you know, it's – I mean, it's an excellent moment for Malucci. I mean, I again, I can't say enough about, you know – how much of this wrinkle of this character that I'm so here for and so like upset that they really aren't going to explore at all. Um, but yeah, uh, the dad here is played by actor. I can't decide if this is Mike or Mick. Uh, it's spelled M I K. Uh, so it could just be a, a unique spelling of Mike or it could be Mick. I'm not sure. Uh, Scriba who appeared in stuff like the negotiator conspiracy theory and the always surprisingly racist wild wild west. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately he did pass away in 2018. And, uh, Abby's still extraordinarily distracted. Should not be touching patients at all now or at this point. Uh, is drawing up, is drawing a guy's blood out in your chairs, like just in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Like, which is really weird. Um, but she's having trouble finding the vein and she's like, oh, right, let's take a break and goes over to talk to May's mom and the mom won't leave without May. And they hear a call come over the radio about a three to four month year old girl abandoned on the L platform or on a L platform. There are several around the city or so I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a bitch. Uh, And then Abby is outside with Carter waiting for the EMTs. And Abby asks if he has talked to Raina yet to break up with her. And she gets her hopes up that it is, in fact, May coming in. And yay, it is May on the ambulance. Yay. That was a fun 20 minutes. And <laughs> we are we are into trauma one with Carter, Halei, and Luca, and Abby. And Daniel, you have a note here real quick. Oh, yes, an unfortunate one. Uh. So we get a first appearance here at timestamp 3712 when uh, the mother uh, makes her entrance to the trauma room to check on uh, the baby here. Uh, Over her shoulder, we get our very first appearance of the ill-advised Cure Autism Now posters, which will be ever so prevalent over the next who knows how many years. Like, I think it was... 
I think it's most of the rest of the time on the show. Honestly, like they're they're kind of are those from Autism Speaks? I don't know. I think it, it it's because that's usually I, I probably not basically their yeah. Motto. It's probably not directly from them, but it is it is definitely of the same vibe and like it was definitely that was definitely a sentiment that was very prevalent around this time. So I'm not surprised yeah. that it's there. But like we talked about in the episode a few weeks ago, like I'm shocked that they went to such a firm have Carter make such a firm point with that anti-vax mother of being like you know vaccines don't cause autism there's no there's no link but all that other stuff like they made they went to such lengths to make such direct points about that stuff and then they turn around and have you know these signs up for you know the next however many years so it's just kind of as our resident autistic person here on this podcast I do not need to be cured I just need some accommodations. I'm just different. But I'm perfectly functional the way I am. I'm just kind of weird. And I don't need to be cured. Nope. Just it's understood. Been, it's always been a part of me and it was finally diagnosed a few years ago. And so I finally have some clarification and a label to it. Just, I don't need, I just need, I just need a little extra help. That's, That's all. Yeah. And never, ever, ever ever donate a single penny to autism speaks the charity just they are awful people who basically uh advocate and encourage advocate for and encourage basically what would be considered like a version of conversion therapy i have a question for that whereas like that's like it's like hype it's like hyper exposure therapy Mm -hmm. which is like right awful extra awful like hey lizzie make eye contact with me for five hours straight no is there i'm literally would die is is there a cause out there or an an issue or whatever and i'm not talking about like i'm not talking about like the medical um Mm -hmm. thing so like you know for for cancer stuff like american cancer society or for heart disease american heart association or you know like talking about medical based uh charities and and nonprofits and stuff but like is there a cause out there for which the most widely known charity is not fucking terrible uh because because like autism speaks is like all over the fucking place and there's they suck fucking susan g coleman is out there for for breast cancer and they fucking suck like it's just like is there any fucking charity that's that's or is there any cause out there for whom the like the most widespread best known charity isn't a shit show nobody thinks about it but the epilepsy foundation isn't terrible okay see i i, ex- I still get there, their emails because i donated to your birthday fundraiser like three years ago and i still get their Thank emails you. and you go oh yeah epilepsy is a thing neat but um yeah they're like they're the most well known for epilepsy and from everything i've heard they're like pretty middle of the road they're they don't do anything super offensive they do a lot of good published articles and videos and stuff and they're a good resource so i i go on their website a lot when i'm panicking about my dumb disability so. at least there's one that's all i'm uh, that's all i'm asking for yep uh then going back to that trauma luca tries to tell abby to step out but then she essentially starts running the trauma when both luca and carter the actual doctors are right there and luca just kind of lets her go hey she's, she was a med student for a little I, bit there she's she's run she's running orders and she looks at luca and she goes anything else and he goes no you got right? it i really like this because it's actually an excellent visual representation of uh the entire relationship dynamic between these three people like it's an excellent portrayal of why Abby and Luca works better than Abby and Carter because 
Abby immediately takes charge, starts doing the stuff as if she were, you know, running the trauma. And Luca is there to support her and would help if she got something wrong, but doesn't try to like correct her and doesn't try to like over, you know, step on top of what she's trying to do. And Carter the entire time just keeps shooting disapproving looks at at Luca being like, we really shouldn't be letting her do this. Like he just keeps like looking over, like she shouldn't be doing this. Da, da, da. Like, so it's like a perfect encapsulation of this entire like relationship dynamic between these three people. Like, one supports and uplifts, the other just, like, frowns in the corner and disapproves. Yep. Anyway, uh, when we go from there back to the admit desk where Malucci is looking through the stack of charts to pick out one he wants, and Green cuts him off and tells him to go home. Says he's not on for the rest of the week, so uh, essentially suspended, I guess? Like, mm-hmm. sends Malucci home. Uh, kind of a shit move for there for Mark. Uh, granted, kind of a shit move from Malucci with the tumor cough thing, but, you know, it's like... Can't we just both recognize that we're being shitty here and uh, agree to part ways? Like it's like football; like the penalties offset each other. Like replay the down. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to don't need to suspend anybody over this. Uh, Lizzie comes down all frantic because she heard Mark was attacked, and he's like, "Ah, oh, it's fine. I just ran into an elbow." And uh, it's fine. she she's like, "Well, I haven't been allowed to do anything all day, so I've just been doing wedding stuff all day, which is." Uh, you know, not maybe not wedding stuff, but you know, creating stupid merch ideas that that describes a lot of my days at work. That's true. We appreciate them. Is that next episode? What is the wedding? The wedding, the wedding. might be. It's definitely before the end of the season. So yeah, I know because I know it's probably cloudy chance of rain. Is the I'm gonna look it up. Well, yeah. Lord knows I don't. Yeah, know. it's it's definitely coming up soon. I don't know exactly when, but uh, uh, we find out Mark got his competency test results and. Uh, kind of yells at Carrie for delaying giving them to him and turns out he passed does an ex Yay. does an excellent misdirect while he tries to like make it seem like he didn't pass and Lizzie's like oh I'm you know I'm so sorry they're assholes you know whatever and he's like ah psych gotcha I passed Very excuse good. me it's episode 18 and it's called April showers all right so two episodes two episodes uh psychic lady is headed home and rena shows up and asks carter if he can finish his work over some garlic noodles which uh as somebody who hasn't eaten dinner yet sounds amazing uh and and isn't eating very much pasta lately let's be honest um but uh carter tries to set her down easy here and is like uh yeah about that i don't drink uh and uh it's illegal for you to purchase alcohol uh which is a hell of a way to to let her in on the fact that that he's onto her game like uh boy well she told him right but that that he's like putting it putting it together and clearly has an issue with it and is just you know feels kind of icky about the whole thing and uh, I guess so- I guess at the end of the day, like points to Carter for like actually doing the right thing and saying, yep, this sucks. Let's let's go our separate ways. This is inappropriate. Yeah. This like because is- I could definitely see a different circumstance and a different I guess maybe different characters to who would have just been like, ah, you know, society says it's thing. But like, you know, age is just a number or what? She's legal and all that shit. Like, I just I could see. So glad they I didn't. could see ickiness. All right, uh, let's go to our last audio clip here. Carrie is up in the conference room with Romano, Anspa, and Kim. Dr. Weaver, better late than never. Let's cut to the chase, shall we, so that we can all get out of here and go home? Okay. Dr. Legaspi recently, for whatever reasons, had what I hope was a momentary lapse in judgment. I take offense to that. Really? 
Well, I take offense to you having come out to your patient, which was grossly inappropriate. Dr. Legaspi is a valuable asset to the psychiatry department as well as this hospital as a whole. I think that her instincts were correct and her intentions very honorable, considering the situation. Honorable, perhaps stupid, definite. Oh, come on, Robert. Patients with psychological problems falsely accuse their doctors of all sorts of things. I had a guy today blame me for hypnotizing him in order to drink his blood. Well, we'll have to look into that another day, Donald. But the fact is, to the best of my knowledge, you are not actually a vampire. Dr. Legaspi, however, is a lesbian. Am I right? I've never hidden that fact from this administration or my colleagues. Or from your patients, for that matter, wherein lies the problem. There's a difference between being gay and being a child molester. Okay, my recommendation is administrative leave pending the criminal hearing. I think that's premature. No, it's preemptive. If we get really lucky, there won't be any charges. You can come right back to work having learned a lesson, albeit the hard way. You have anything to add, Dr. Weaver? Considering you are one of them? Them? A female physician dealing with female no. patients? Yes, I think that Dr. Legaspi is a wonderful doctor. And I don't think that she did any of the things that she's accused of doing. Well, that's well spoken, Carrie. That's very convincing. Please remind me never to ask you to testify on my behalf. Okay. Meeting is adjourned. I have dinner plans. Pay no attention to him. This, too, will pass. I'm sorry. Oops, Kim. Please stop, Kim. Please stop, please, please stop. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Let's just, just get out of here and talk about this. There's really nothing to talk about. What did you expect me to say? I am so sorry, Kim. Me too. Go back to your life, Gary. No, don't. You can't do this. We have something good. What? What do we have? A relationship that you're ashamed to acknowledge in public. I know you're right. I wish I could be like you. I wish I could be as confident and secure with this as you are, but I am not you. I have been on the outside my whole life fighting for acceptance and respect, and now you're asking me to do it all over again? I'm not asking you for anything. Don't, please. I just, I, I need more time. I can't, I can't do this right now, please, Kim. Kim. Ugh. That detached, I'm not asking you for anything, Yeah, is just... And what do we have here? Mm. Uh, this is all a huge bummer. Uh, however, I do feel compelled once again to give flowers to Paul McCrae for some of those fucking Ryan Reeds in there. Like, holy shit. The, the, one, the one that kills me, the one that absolutely kills me is like... Well, we'll be sure and look into that, Donald. <laughs> like, when he's like a patient accused him of being of uh, drinking his blood, like or stealing his blood or whatever. Accused him of being a vampire. Yeah, like something about the way he says, like uh, just kind of like dismisses him. Which, le- like, because this is the first time we've seen Antspaw in a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, and his appearances are becoming more and more token. Like his appearances mm-hmm. are are much less meteor than they used to be. Like they we're not getting as much like. And spa, we're just getting sort of like Donald, who shows up occasionally, to be the ca- the what the sage. Yeah, he sh- he shows up occasionally oh, to be the so sweet here. But he's but he shows up occasionally to be the casein in the room. Like he's the third 
person and third most important person in the room at any given the scene. elder statesman yeah. he's not we're not gonna have another storyline like like with him and scott yeah definitely nothing to that degree I'm, I'm struggling to think of other times where like he's gonna get to do anything really meaty the rest of his time because he's gonna stick around for you know almost until the end till 2008 till 2008 yeah, yeah. so but um it does remind me of like the uh anspa equivalent on scrubs who was mm-hmm. like he was like the the elder statesman doctor and was like the you mm-hmm. know the you know kelso he was the like he was the yeah. the doc and i'm just like remembering some of the things that they eventually had him do when the, his character started to kind of become this version of anspa where he was tertiary. he was tertiary and he wasn't as featured as he used to be they would do stuff where like he just stopped caring about his job and would be like falling asleep in meetings and like not interested and like clearly just coasting by. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I kind of wish they let Antspot do that. Like, I kind of wish they let Antspot just be like, yeah, I don't care, man. Do whatever you want. I'm just happy to be here. Also, I just need to say again, rest in peace, John Elward. No, like, oh, yeah. such a such a sweet baby. When he showed up here, I was just like. I know, especially when he's like being so nice to the, you know, to the gays. Like he's right. just sitting there being like, like shall pass. Right? he's like, you, you two gay, crazy gay kids. I love you. Like, it's fine. Oh, but I need to note here. The terror in Carrie's voice is so well done mm-hmm. when she's kind of quote testifying and everything. And just her pleading afterwards is so heartbreaking, <laughs> but also Carrie it's done. That's just another great Romano line too, though. Oh, well, that was ri- like riveting. <laughs> yes. Like, remind me not to have you ever <laughs> testify on my behalf. <laughs> Very moving. Yes. Uh, Romano's on point. He really so. is. He really is. Extra jalapeno. Oh, then we go back. May and her mom have been reunited. Her tests came back normal and she seems okay, but they're going to have her observed overnight. They're getting her a private room and making up a bed for her mom as well to be observed. And. Right here, there's some weird-ass slow-mo as Abby walks out of the room, and then the episode ends. Yeah, like, come on, Guy Norman B. You're better than this. Yeah, it did sort of feel like an ending that was created in editing. Like, it, it felt like an end... It yeah. felt like an ending where they were like, oh, shit, we forgot to... We forgot to end the episode properly. Like, and so they just kind of crafted yeah. an ending out of an existing scene, and I, it does feel very unsatisfying in that way. But, yeah. uh... Overall, though, it's not a bad episode. Mm-hmm. It's a... It, it's your typical it's just, mid to late season filler. It's it's low. Thing. It's low for this season, which means it's a seven, which is yeah. high for plenty of other exactly. seasons that we've had. Yeah. Like yeah, seven, seven and a half. But I mean, it's much better than your early season. Fillers. Yes, the fillers. quality the quality of the filler has definitely improved over the years. And as a friend of the show, Aaron pointed out to me as we were having a conversation recently, um, we're in the soft spot of the season, which is other seasons high points you know so like you know you could that just it really drives home the point of how excellent this season is from beginning to end where an episode like this counts as like kind of the doldrums a little bit and like it's it's pretty impressive yeah there's still a lot to love here it's just it's just it, good it could have very easily like, been it could the good stuff in here could have very easily been folded into the good stuff from last week or the week before and you could have yeah. had a solid it's pretty um it's pretty universal too that like the episode that immediately follows the end of a good guest arc storyline is usually kind of a a drop-off like there's usually kind of a Mm drop-off in quality after you get to the end of a a really 
monumental guest arc so like the james cromwell stuff like the like ending that last episode you were bound to have kind of a little bit of a hangover from that into this episode and you know even it's not really a character driven hangover because like luca doesn't factor in much at all and like the the events of the the bishop storyline don't factor in in any way but just like kind of on a quality still you can't go you can't be that on for that many episodes in a row and not have just a little bit of a hangover uh go ahead any thoughts any thoughts on lauren before we get to the listeners no but i do have an editorial note i need to put out before we get into the listener responses gang i love y'all took my advice and that you actually reached out to me but i've had at least five people tell me the song title for Silver Lining by Amanda Ghost from Surrender. I have the information. Thank you. My little gay heart is set. I love y'all for looking out for me. Um, I'm going to get five more before this episode airs, but I know the title now. Thank you. You're all wonderful. You got it covered. With that being said, let me go into our listener responses. I'm going to do my best, guys. My brain is mush from work today. If I need to tap out, Daniel, you've got me. At Leah 1989 says, Someone say something intelligent about this episode because I'm about to ramble on about the textiles I like and fish, LMAO. This is one of my sleeper faves I forget about, and now all I can think to say is I love the fabric choices. Elizabeth's cute sweater that is so 2001 and Abby's floral bedding which looked so pretty and comfy cozy that, no joke, made me get my parents to buy me floral sheets in the OG run. Just watch. She ser- she seriously always has nice-looking, nap-worthy bedding, and it's such a weird thing I remember. Uh, did I write this comment? <laughs> I, I We did uh, forget to mention, uh, especially Elizabeth's sweater, which is very nice. And I, I it is yes. very 2001, but also I feel like that's kind of maybe circled back a little bit. It's coming yeah. back. Like, it's definitely I feel like it's, we, we've, we've gone so far around the block that we're circling back now. It It is. Um, but going on. Oh, and Abby has... Posi- Oh, and has Abby's position as ER marine biologist and fish wrangler begun already? We start small with fish and coffee pots rescued from somebody's stomach, which I didn't even touch on in the notes. I'm sorry, guys. But soon she'll embark on Luca's fish tank debacle and at some point handle all the fish in the waiting area that Pratt keeps unwittingly killing. Clearly she doesn't have much luck dealing with marine life. Daniel, is this why you think Carby sounds like a fish that swims backwards or something? LOL. But seriously, it's a great episode all around with an ending that leaves me relieved. At Microplastics804 says, This episode kills me because the Weaver, Carter, and Corday storylines encapsulate some of the worst social norms and humor of the early 2000s. Not that much has changed regarding gay panic, dating age gaps, and the misogyny towards working moms, respectively. I had forgotten entirely about Babcock's joke to Benton about Mark getting the tumor after Elizabeth became pregnant, so I may have rage blacked out a little. Shifting gears, I remember this episode as being the last one where we got to learn anything substantial about Malucci before his exit. Obviously, he was triggered by abuse cases, and while he needed to take a step back, at least he didn't start by punching this patient's father, like he did in Loose Ends. I feel like Mark suspended him less for pushing back at James's father and more for the weird-ass tumor cough. Either way, as much as I loved Dave, he sure earned that suspension. P.S. 21 years later, it's still funny to me that the bad boy of this show helped treat the bad boy from together. Neat. I have no context. Um, Grace B. says, Okay, everybody shut up about 714. This is my new favorite waking up in the morning montage episode, (laughs) minus the cops. 
But I can't talk about that because, unfortunately, I spied my first Cure Autism Now poster through the window of one of the trauma rooms. There isn't space for me to discuss the nuances of the time, knowledge, and intention going into these posters and the painful legacy they contribute to. In a nutshell, you can't cure autism. Autism is not a disease. It's a neurotype. It's the word to describe a kind of brain structure. It's why the autistic community overwhelmingly prefers identity first language. Lizzie is doing a very cute dance next to me. Autism isn't something we have, it's something we are. And autistic people aren't the root problem. A society that doesn't want to work to include and validate more than one way of being a person is the root problem. It's sad to me that in an episode where we see disabled and queer characters grappling with what it means to be marginalized and how to handle that, there's a sign hanging on the wall explicitly stating what kind of people aren't wanted and that and that ableism and discrimination are so normalized. Grace, very well put. Thank you so much for sharing that. If, if I could drop our mic, I, I would drop say, our that's mic a, in your honor. That, that goes in the... That's way more eloquent than I could ever be about that. That goes in the Listener Response Hall of Fame right there. That is an excellent one. And I just, I just want to take a moment to say our listeners are valid and wonderful and we love you just how you are. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. And over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season, re- the, including the full season recap episodes. A free form monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member and who's fixed of those where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Oh, folks can find me retweeting stupid cat pictures on Twitter at lobob92345. You can also find you in bed. <laughs> it's where I live 90% of the time. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's jm3r. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.